You're tuning in to Radio Movies, a special event podcast in collaboration between the Explosion Network, the Pop Culturers, and DashGamer.com. Each week we'll be discussing the films from the Kevin Smith Viewerskew universe, our memories with them, why we love them, and preparing ourselves for the upcoming Jane Silent Bob reboot. My name is Dylan Blight, and joining me from the Pop Culturers, Ryan Benson. Hey! And from Dash Culture, Buddy Watson. Sometimes, in the heat of the moment, it's for- forgivable to go ass to mouth. You never go ass to mouth. You never go ass to mouth. I knew it. <laughs> uh, today we will be talking about Clerks 2. Um, <laughs> it's the final, or what was the final of the what we thought was the Viewerskew Universe, the official final, until, of course, the announcement of James Silent Bob reboot, which spurred this entire podcast. The only sequel as well to any proper should be no proper sequel to any of these. So for the sake of the show, we will be assuming that you have watched the movie and we will be talking with full spoilers, of course. So as we do with every episode, let's talk about the first time ever I saw Clerks 2, how they felt about it then and how they feel about it now. Um, I believe, as far as I remember, this is the second film I saw of the whole thing. So last week, obviously, I said Jane Silent Bob was the first one I saw. I didn't, I never went back after watching Jane and Silent Bob straight back and be like, what are the other movies? Because it's not numbered. You know, there's, there's no reason for me at the time to think that movie is connected to any other movies. There are so many in-jokes in that movie I now recognize, but I think it's like a testament that I laughed enough watching it at the time without having to know anything else that's happening. But then this movie comes out and I watched it probably 2006, 2006 2007, something like that when I was in high school. And I remember watching it and I see Jane Silent Bob in this movie and I go, what? Jane's? Those are the characters from that Jane Silent Bob Strike Back movie. So then, of course, I, um, I get onto the internet and I finally do some research and I find out about, you know, Cloak's dogma, chasing Amy, the whole thing. And that's when I finally end up going backwards and working my way through them. Now, you may be like, well, Dylan, it's called Cloak's 2. Did you ever wonder if there was one? Yes, but at the same time, honestly, I walk into the DVD store and I would constantly just rent stuff at, at this age. Like, I just had my dad's card and I, or take dad in there or whatever and be like, oh, rent this, rent this. I see a movie, Clerks 2, on the thing. I'm like, eh, I'll check it out. Like, the, the number thing wouldn't have any effect on me. I'm like, eh, if I like this one, maybe I'll like the first one. Remember, I watched Descent 2 before Descent 1, and then Descent 1 made me hate Descent 2. Now, Descent 1's one of my favorite horror movies, but that's a completely <laughs> different sidetrack story. Um, also, I think it's worth noting that... These days, if I watch Jane Silent Bob re, re, uh, Struck Back, any movie I watch these days, I get on my phone and I just fucking IMDb it after I've watched it. I look up people who are in it, director, what else have they done, et cetera, et cetera. You know, it's just the general after I finish a movie thing. Like I'm looking up facts and trivia, actors, all trivia, that stuff. all that stuff, general movie thing. Back in this day, when I was like 12 or whatever, watching Jane Silent Bob Strike Back, I didn't have a phone. We had the internet, but I would have had to dial up to to get access or whatever else and it was my dad's pc so i would have had to ask to use it i didn't i wouldn't have been able to just get into bed and be like eh, who's in this so th- it's so funny like if you was a 12 year old kid now i probably would have known but nonetheless um i really enjoyed it the first time i watched it though i think it's really funny um the gross out humor worked really well for a young um like the well, let's straight up say, I mean, the donkey funky fucking stuff worked for young high school Dylan. It made me laugh. Um, I think I missed a lot of the heart that's in the film until I watched it years later. I definitely just enjoyed it at that time for what the comedy was. Rewatching it, I still think a lot of it's quite funny. I can spot a, um, a lot of Kevin Smith growing somewhat, I guess, but at the same time still wanting to keep to his what he was known for at the time, which was kind of being one of the gross out in quotation marks, like comedy directors, I guess is kind of what he was known for. And that's like pushing the boundaries and stuff like that. Um, but I think Randall and Dante um, especially act so much better in this one as well. And I think that stands out, especially watching them really close to one another um, to see those actors grow. Um, and I really, really, really enjoy this one. Uh, but buddy, when was the first time you watched Clerks 2? How do you feel about it then? How do you feel about it now? You've kind of teased you have some bad thoughts about this one, so let's open that can of worms. 2006, I saw this in the cinema. So I'd seen Clerks. This Seeing this come out kind of spurred me to go, like, buy Clerks 1. I'd heard so much about it. Um, and I was already a Mallrats fan 
by then, like I said, first DVD I owned. I've seen that movie a million times. So I was pretty pretty psyched to see Clerks 2. And in seeing the cinemas at the time, it was actually a really big letdown. And I actually hated that movie for a long time. Now, watching it recently, um, again, it's probably the only the second time I've seen it from cinema. Uh, I don't hate it as much as what I did, but I still... I'll call re- that a win. ...really feel that it... F- falls flat and for me like the stuff that i really hate is like the donkey show and that kind of humor i felt like it had a lot of those those type of gross type humor and less of the relatable stuff that i felt like was in clerks one um and that was like really memorable i didn't feel like there was anything super crazy in this like a lot of the stuff was just like cringeworthy the Astomouth stuff, the the donkey stuff, the, the, the like vomit humor. I was like, what the fuck? <laughs> um, <laughs> and I'm like, this is what passes for humor now. How old was you when this came out then? Joker? I would have been uh, 20. Okay, yeah. So you're, you're okay, yeah. We're, we're, meanwhile, I'm like, I guess 15, 16 or something. So I, I'm prime age for this movie, I think. I, I yeah. feel like I'm, I'm the age that the target audience for this is kind of. Like yeah. humor wise, <laughs> and, and like I was saying last week about um, Harold and Kumar uh, with Gu- Guantanamo Bay or whatever you know that year that came out, and how that that came out in two thousand eight, and that was a big miss for me. Um, and that was kind of like the that ton of time I was like, fuck the humor, the humor of today. It's just it's it's just miss for me now. Is this what people find funny? So yeah, those things were really off putting, and I watching it now for this podcast and and going through it and maybe I was a little bit harsh on it at the time um st- still I I could see the heart in it and what you were saying before Ryan and I can see why you know with your circumstances what you'll bring up in a minute um why you, you love it so much I, I can at least see that in it now in which I was a bit taken aback well, like when I saw it in the cinemas like it was just automatic resentment from the start like ah oh, this is oh, fuck this shit <laughs> so I was going to, I think like one of the, the notes I had down to discuss this working well, I think kind of before I tr- throw it to Ryan, because I think he's going to, can kind of answer this at the same time. So Kevin Smith has gone on record a lot and discussed like why he, um, his personal reasons he felt he had to make this movie after kind of ending the viewers universe and why he felt like he had to go back and make this movie. Um, so throwing it to Ryan, why do you think you can tie this into your answer. Why do you think he made this movie? And what do you think is the message at the center of this movie? If you think there is one. And I do think that from what you've teased, I, I believe you have a grasp on this stuff. Yeah, it's transition. So, that's all it is. All right, like in terms of, of, its, its, of its core message, I think you, you touched upon it a little bit earlier, Dylan, with the idea of this is him transitioning to, to a different sort of, person that he wants to be you mentioned there's a lot in here about a lot of humor that he used to be but it's also uh shows the growth of him as a director as a writer so it's him transitioning away from that that's how i see it because for me this movie um is my is my favorite kevin smith movie unquestionably did you watch it upon release or uh no i saw it um because it is because a lot of it is about transition i i saw it at a very pivotal part of my life, a big moment of transition for me. Um, uh, I saw it probably yet late year 11. So it'd have been what, 17. Um, and like that, the ambition like for me, for me, the goal was always to leave my hometown, go to Melbourne, go university, something, something, something like that. Right. Mm-hmm. So I had my friend who had been my friend for the longest years. You know, you have that one friend that's inseparable from you is like essentially the Dante and the Randall, right? Like these guys have done everything together. The, the, they are bound together. Uh, and that was that. And my friend, my friend Spratty. Um, and as we were hitting that, that point of time, we were very starting to realize that I was going to go and he was going to stay. Uh, and yeah, so my, in terms of actually when I first saw the movie itself was similar to you, Dylan, I walked into a video store. I saw the poster. I'm like, Holy fuck. That's Jay and Silent Bob. Uh, and then I put my, I, I hired it. And I also put my name down to have that poster when, when they no longer need it. And I Is that thing ha- your store did? You could just put your name down. For yeah, I still have it. Yeah, it's, it's, oh, um, we want it. Cause like in my hallway, I actually have uh, a series of Kevin Smith posters all nicely framed. 
So it's Clerks, Mallrats, and Jay and Silent Bob Strike Back. Uh, and in my lounge room is Clerks too. Um, and they're all signed as well. So I went back and re-bought them signed. Um, so yeah, so then I watched the movie and thought it was awesome because it was that my humor at that time. Um, and then at the back end, it hits you with that, like uh, this, this, this heart and this something that was incredibly related to relatable to me at the time. Um, and that's why like, I don't think that's why it's, it just resonates with me so heavily, but even in the non, the not so heartfelt side of it, there's a friend, another friend of mine, Jake, uh, we, we don't, we don't see each other at all anymore like we've just sort of grown apart but um the one thing we do every year for each other's birthday is we send each other the gif of uh the sexy stud going "Ooh, cake um every year on our birthday that's the like we don't talk for 363 days of the year but those two days where we exchange for our birthdays that's it it's the one thing <laughs> and that's lived on for 11 years now so yeah, yeah so you've got love this movie I um I find the the friendship stuff somewhat relatable as well because I I can actually directly tie a rather um uh, part in my life so the person I'm talking about I'm not friends with anymore but at that time I would have considered them my best friend right so they were my best friend from high school um, was friends up until early twenties and then they grew apart because of reasons and we're not friends anymore but at the time when we were like eighteen ish I think. Um, he got a job and we used to spend every day together, right? I used to go down to his place every single day, like would spend hours together, would smoke pot, would do, you know, like, we'll do, like <laughs> whatever, like this is, this is what we'll do. We'll just chill out and whatever. And I remember when he got a job, I was actually annoyed because it meant I couldn't spend all day with him. It meant, I, it meant that like, I remember the first day he got a job, I, I, I kind of woke up and I was like, fuck am I supposed to do today? You know, like what, what do I do? And I, and that's like, I can look back on it and kind of be like, well, that was a douchey thing for me to, to feel obviously feel at the time. But then I can relate it to how, um, Randall reacts in this movie, you know, like his jealousy or whatever you want to put it. And that's like, his, his motive for that is driven solely by, himself like he, he wants he wants Dante to say because Dante is his best friend and even if the scenario between him and um whatever Jennifer Schraubach's character I can't remember the name of the character Mrs. Higgs whatever Mrs. Higgs even if that character was good you, you're kind of supposed to brute against their relationship in the movie I guess but even if their relationship was good and he felt the same way it'd be like that's kind of douchey on his part so I always whenever I watch this movie I always think about me and that, like how I used to actually feel so annoyed that he had this job. And I, not even, not for a second did I ever think I was acting douchey. I'd, I'd be like, fucking asshole. Like, how dare he? You know, like <laughs> really um, get someone annoyed about it, I guess. But yeah, that's, um, there's lots of, lots to do in this movie with a friendship, I suppose, mm. given that they're two characters that, and I think at one stage I was going to, there was, I talk of ever having like flashbacks to high school and stuff like that in the movie and whatever else so it's like this big connection to friendship as movie but then also it's like just the expectation of you as you grow old mm -hmm. you know like they're, they're they're 30 turning i don't know 25 i guess you know like i don't <laughs> know like they're, they're they're supposed to be going into adults at the age of like f fucking 33 or what, whatever it is and you know a lot of this movie I, I i can't find super directly relatable but i understand like similar feelings like Dante goes through with just wanting to settle into that lifestyle because he's like, well, it's something, you know, like no, no one will look on me as a, a piece of shit before because I remember I never wanted to even remember years and years and years ago. It's not like, it's not like 10 years ago. It's like five years ago or whatever, five, six years ago when I broke my, when I brought my house with my now ex-girlfriend, right? And of course I say X because it didn't work out. But at the time I was super scared to buy the house. I never wanted to buy a house because the idea of settling, like putting that much money, like and having that like negative $200,000 or 200 and whatever, close to $300,000. The idea of all that was super fucking scary to me, right? And I actually think the only reason that I like did that and was like willing at the time, I was like even considering like stepping up and doing like a 2IC position at my work and all these sort of things and like giving up on any hopes and dreams. It was because I was like hitting 20, 
uh, I was 20, whatever. I'm like, well, this is what I got to do now. You know, got to be an adult, got to get the, got to get the big hat, the house with the, the bills, but got to give up all my aspirations in life and everything like that. And this is just kind of what's expected of me. So even though of course, what Dante's going through in this movie isn't exactly the same scenario, it does make me think of similar thought processes that I was having, I guess, even though he was having them like 10 years later than I think I was like, <laughs> yeah, wait till I? you get to, go wait till you get to my age, Dylan. <laughs> <laughs> But well, yeah, this, I think the, the 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 secret of this movie is, is you never stop having those thoughts. <laughs> like, yeah, that's right, exactly. I studied the whole fucking master's de- degree because I thought I would be good at it, and uh, I would just that's what I should do and fall into this kind of life. And uh, after I finished that, I was like, fuck no, I don't want to do that. I'm only doing this because other people are expecting me to have a certain job or do a certain thing. And life's kind of little stepping stones that uh, people think you should take. And the life yes. that you should lead and expect you to do. So, well, that's why it's always, and we we can't. I think we teased it either on the clerks episode or whatever. We briefly mentioned the the prison scene from this movie, um, the prison scene, the jail scene, <laughs> jail scene, I guess, where um, they have that massive angry conversation. I guess they yell at one another, and and Randall basically just tells Dante he's being a little bitch i guess i don't know like like he, he basically yells at him tells him like you you're not you're doing this just because you feel like you have to blah 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 and then dante it doesn't fully say like yes i accept but at the same time doesn't say no he says like what would you do then so he's not saying like no yeah he's so if like, you have all the answers what would you do you're sitting here berate, berating yes. me, but what would you do you obviously have such a great handle on your life tell me what you would do if you were in my position or even what you do in your own position Swing that judgmental pendulum back the other way and tell me how you'd solve all your problems, asshole. What the fuck would the great Randall Graves do if he were half the master of his destiny that I'm supposed to be? I'd buy the quick stop and reopen it myself. That's what I'd do. That's what we should do. So it it kind of falls in place for him. Because he's not like, well, that's stupid. I would never do that. He's like, well, I mean, that was an option. Well, thank fuck they didn't buy the video store. (laughs) (laughs) waste of money over there um i want to swing it back now to you buddy i guess because after hearing like me and ryan kind of discuss what we would consider the more serious elements of the movie and like how that makes us feel and stuff like that do you does it open your eyes a little bit more are you still like nah just a bunch of poo and fart jokes (laughs) oh no i definitely I definitely see it on the on the rewatch, and I think maybe even I'd seen it at the time when I did watch it. It's just all the other bad stuff and stuff that I didn't really like outweighed that. Mm. And then my only memories of this movie were the bad stuff, <laughs> and that kind of uh, overwhelmed any other thoughts that I had about it. So watching it again today, I was like, I remembered like the jail scene and everything, and you know, kind of the fallout that they have and moving away and stuff like that. So um, I guess that just maybe being a bit older it resonates with me a little bit more and kind of losing friends and staying out of touch and having those kind of expectations of you and what you should and shouldn't do and and doing for yourself and all that kind of stuff so um maybe that hit a little bit more at home uh, than the other stuff even though i really fucking hated all that stuff still so (laughs) yeah like all that all this serious stuff is really cool but like fucking pussy troll who would have thought of that shit (laughs) 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 <laughs> he's actually uh, as much as it, he's I can't remember the actor's name had it in front Elias. of him yeah whatever, whoever plays Elias like he he's actually probably the biggest comedic uh, uh, part he's, of this whole movie fun fact he's married to uh, not Marion Gigliotti the blonde girl from Clerks whose name escapes me right now the blonde girl from Clerks yeah like the original one yeah what yeah. Surely he would have been like five. He looks so young. No, he's no, not they're, actually no, they're, as... they're super. Oh, no, no, it's Trish. I think he's married to Trish. Trish the Dish. Yes. Oh. Yes, that's correct. No, that's yeah, totally correct. I was <laughs> really wrong, but also kind of wrong. Kind of. You got there in the end. That's all. Yeah, I got there. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, okay, so what is everyone's favorite scene from this movie then, or quote or whatever have you? Mine is a scene, it's the ABC dance. Because every single time I watch it, I just think it is this really silly, out of place 
scene where a bunch of dancers come out of nowhere and whatever else. And then Jane Silent Bob have like the hair and pigtails and the dancing and whatever else. But I, I every time I watch this movie and I've watched it a bunch, every time I watch this movie, that scene makes me smile. Like it makes mm. me happy just to watch that all happen. I think it's just like the perfect song for it. They're yeah. up there dancing. Dante's kind of realizing he's he's actually in well, love with I think uh, that's Becky. what it, I think it's supposed to represent the euphoria of Dante as he's watching uh, Becky dance. <laughs> I love you, Becky. I'm pregnant, Dante. There's so much better subtle filmmaking and acting in in this movie because they those shots of his face, you clearly just see it on his face, like his realization is kind of happening, and like you, you can tell, like you, you don't need a massive scene of him having this realization. He actually loves her, and like there's way more more to it. It's just. She's there dancing. They cut to a shot of his face, and you can just see the the smile and whatever else. You're like, yeah, there's 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 more to this than meat side, that's for sure. And then yeah, it's just a really happy scene. And every time I watch it, probably my favorite scene. It's, it's not a joke. I think it's the only time my favorite scene I've picked actually hasn't been a joke scene. So there you go, um, buddy. What's yours? The whole Lord of the Rings versus Star Wars thing, and which is the better <laughs> trilogy? Because uh, personally, I hate Lord of the Rings. I don't really like fantasy stuff, so. When that came up, I was totally cheering that on, even in the cinemas. All right, look, there's only one return, okay? And it ain't of the king, it's of the Jedi. Oh, Star Wars geek. <laughs> oh, I'm the geek? Look at you two whipping out your preciouses. You'll have to excuse him. He's not down with the trilogy. Oh, what the fuck happened to this world? That's, well, we'll have to go on a side tangent now, because I was nearly going to have that as its, I was going to have that as its own subject. So that Lord of the Rings thing is nearly word for word um, quoted from An Evening with Kevin Smith 2, mm. like one of his stand-up DVD, or stand-up in quotation marks. I don't know. His talks? Whatever. Q&As. Um, Q&As, yeah, I guess. Um, it's nearly quote for quote from that. It's like when he goes on this whole tirade about the Lord of the Rings movies and then he just put it into um, Clerks 2 through the dialogue, which I think just like kind of encapsulates how he writes most of the time, which is he just uses... And especially like when he wrote Clerks 1, it's like he's using the devil and angel. Like this character can say the mean things I feel and this character can say the yeah. good things I feel. Like that's how I even, even them all out. But yeah, I think that, um, I think this would be my runner up for my favorite scene in the whole movie because it's quite hilarious. And also at the time, I don't know if anyone else has remember this because this is one of those scenes that's kind of of a time capsule. People were really like this. Like mm. I remember even in, the, even in high school, there yeah. were people that were like, hardcore fucking Lord of the Rings fans and then people were legit getting into Star Wars versus Lord of the Rings, like the best trilogy fucking fights and shit. So like this isn't based on like nonsense. This is legit fights that people were having and I'd I'd, I'd actually hear people get into these (laughs) sorts of weird nerdy arguments online and stuff. And of course I was always like, I've watched the walking movies, they're okay, but there ain't no Star Wars. Like, <laughs> what are y'all crazy? Get out of here. Um, yeah, Ryan, do you have any thoughts on Star Wars or Lord of the Rings? Uh, oh, Star Wars, unquestionably. <laughs> you shit me? <laughs> um, yeah, okay. So what's your favorite scene then? Uh, obviously, the jail scene's very, very meaningful to me personally. Um, another, another one is uh, the scene where... Uh, Dante is driving around after after the the uh, the donkey show <clears throat> when he's chasing down uh, Jennifer Schwalbach's character or Rosario Dawson's character, one of the two. I forget which one. Mm, yes. Um, but th- throughout that scene, the song "Everything" by Alanis Morissette's playing. Um, I love that song. That is my, that is my wife and I. That's our wedding song. Uh, from because of my exposure to it in this movie. Um, I don't know. It it just lyrically it hit me in such a, a, a profound way. Um, so that I had to years before we even got married, I knew that was going to be it. I mean, I, I know you don't believe in romantic love. I am the kind of soul with whom you connected. I have the bravest heart that you've ever seen. In Is that a yes? So 
So like the, the yeah, I don't know. I don't, I don't know. It's, it's, it's external. Just adding another layer of how Kevin Smith's encroached in my life. Um, I was about to say this whole podcast is at this stage. Um, shouldn't have been called radio movies. It should have just been called learn how much Kevin Smith's films are <laughs> involved in Ryan Betson's life. The podcast <laughs> radio. Yeah. Yeah. Radio. <laughs> um, yeah. And on top of that, there's just uh, the whole pillow pants, you know, back and front is, is amazing. The whole GoBots versus transformers. Uh, there's just too many things in that. Are just, just too good. <laughs> Every time, actually, the, the Transformers GoBots thing makes me laugh just simply because everything you about it makes me laugh. Just his, I don't care if you're acting, someone throwing those fucking little things at me for that long is eventually going to make me want to punch them in the face. <laughs> and how he's just like, well, actually, yeah, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> that was a good shot. That one was a good shot. Yeah. <laughs> well, actually, because. God created because God ma- created man, man and, and man created Transformers. Created Transformers. <laughs> the Transformers are a gift from God, Randall. No, they they, they are not from God. They are the one we call the desolate one. <laughs> so the spoiler funny. of virgins, the master of abortions. <laughs> um, oh, I got really. Oh, and the other uh, the other line that still makes me giggle to this day is obviously the porch monkey stuff but then later on i fucking hate all that really cannot stand that and the porch monkey on the fucking back of the jersey i'm like this i fucking hate all this yeah that part's a bit weird the the porch monkey for life thing but uh later on where wanda stikes and her husband are are in the line and they're doing the whole like cockstains some some white boy crazy shit you know Uh, and then they're like you know Oh yeah, so we we can't eat this made made by a bunch of racists. Like, oh no, honey, you can't taste racism. <laughs> Love it. It makes me chuckle every time. I don't know why. I actually, I actually think that the whole porch monkey scene. That's I actually think that scene works better today than it does. Yeah, then I agree. Because there are so many people online who will legit be like, yeah, well, it's not racist because like you know. I, you see people t- literally write stuff like, oh, we're taking it back. Like, it's not racist anymore. Like, we, we changed it. But you're like, well, it is racist. Like, you can't say that. But like, well, you know, it's it's fine. Like, what? well, how come they can say the N-word in their rap songs, but I can't say it when I'm singing? Like, you know, all these sorts of arguments that people have have these days that I can literally just kind of find on Twitter right now. <laughs> when I was watching that Porch Monkey scene, I'm like, this scene actually seems a lot more relevant now. Because there would be people like fucking Randall who would be like, it's not <gasps> racist because... Oh. My grandpa, like, it's fine. Like, yeah, I, I felt like it was way more super um, thing. I, I feel like that scene, yeah, I, f- I feel like if you redo it so it's, like, less weird, you have to have Randall come out the end and be like, oh, yeah, my bad, sorry. Like, and then kind of realize that he's yeah. fucked up. But the, 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 the joke playing through to the end of him having it on his shirt and being like, it's fine, I'm going to, I'm going to. I'm going to take it back or whatever. Yeah, I don't think that particularly works quite well. I, I, I think it's fine, like, as a joke, having him be that fucking naive because it works for the character. And I, I think that scene's quite good because Wanda Sykes is funny. Yeah. So I, th- I think by the end of that scene, you need to have him be like, oh, fuck. Like, and realize he's fucked up for it to actually but work. But Randall better. is a character that would just stay defiant even when wrong. Mm, it yeah. would just it just dragged on for me too yeah. much after. It should have ended right there and then. Oh, and- Shit, she was a racist. <laughs> Yeah, Finally. Yeah, she, she, she is a racist and then he's like oh and he has like a look of my bad on his face or something and then that's it like that's it for the movie that's it, you never come back to it yeah I, I think that's that's how i would fix that scene it doesn't bother me to the point that i'm like the rest becomes cringeworthy but yeah I, since we've touched on the donkey thing so much i feel like we have to at least yeah what is your thoughts fully buddy on the do- the donkey thing, and why does it annoy you as much as it does? Is it simply because it's fucked up? Because I mean, it's it's fucked up. It's <laughs> grotesque. It's it's lowbrow fucking humor. It's bottom of the barrel scraping. I find Kevin Smith's humor is the best when it's relatable, um, and this is just fucking stupid that's all it is and it and it's like at the climax of the movie and like a very important <laughs> scene where it's revealed that you know he's gonna leave his fiance i guess 
It's going to be a daddy. She comes in with the cake and yeah, not a fan at all. Do you want to defend it, Ryan? <laughs> I, it's it's tough to defend because even now in hindsight, like, man, that's probably a couple steps too far. Like you could probably tone that down to something else, but I don't know. Like, yeah, it's, it really doesn't fit. It shouldn't be done in a food in a food eating establishment. Um, <laughs> And it shouldn't be done at all, right? Yeah, yeah, I, like, I was going to say, my thoughts are it shouldn't be done at all. Yeah. But, yeah. <laughs> but, and also, the spit that he drops on his hand, just, I think that adds a whole other layer to that scene. Um, But, yeah, no, it, it does feel a little bit too much, but I I, I do still find it very amusing. Um, But, yeah, it's that weird line. That's I, I think I, that's Rory's tinted for me, without doubt. I, I 100% admit. I, 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 I never need it. I, I could do with it with or without it, but it doesn't bother me. But I, I do think that's definitely once again like last week, some level of roast into glasses. Where when I watched it, I actually qu- I found it quite funny. But as I said, I think I was at the perfect age for for this humor, this silly, gross out, like just going for the the highest level of oh my god. But like literally, the characters on screen being like peeking through the eyes, like I can't turn away and watch, kind of gross out type thing they're watching is literally the level of humor it is where like I remember the first time watching it I was like oh god like I kind of wanted to look away because I was afraid that I was actually going to show something mm. and like it was making me rather uncomfortable but at the same time I was like oh it's funny because Elias is like and I gotta admit when re-watching it I still kind of laugh where Elias is like if he's gonna m- whip his dick masturbate, I'm gonna masturbate <laughs> <laughs> sorry Jesus just because that character's built up the time movie like obviously the super Christian person and then he's they cut to that shot of him like just standing there like, I'm sorry God <laughs> <laughs> if shit like this I don't know how I would have reacted in the cinema at the time but stuff like this happens in movies and I'm in a cinema I'm the person that audibly says like fuck off or really? makes like a comment yeah absolutely I'm that person <laughs> I- I've laughed at death scenes that were hilarious like in the shallows cracking up laughing everyone's taking this movie seriously and I'm like stifled laughter laughter ruining this fucking scene because it's it's so stupid um <laughs> Oh yeah, I'm the type of person to be like, "Fuck off." <laughs> I think I just keep quiet, even if I think something's really bad. I remember, I remember I have laughed similar sort of thing, not the shallows, but like a similar like where it's supposed to be a serious death, and I was kind yeah. of like, <laughs> like doing one of those. But I, I try to keep it down just because I'm like, I don't want to be that guy that people like. No, fucking- I was cracking up, and I had to like <laughs> hold my hand over my mouth and like fall into my seat, like stop, stop, people are gonna look. I'm ruining this for other people. <laughs> and then because you know you can't laugh, it just gets harder. Mm, yeah. It's like being in a horror movie, knowing you can't breathe. <laughs> my my thing with the, the donkey, though, is I like 100% as, as much as I believe this, like this movie is Kevin Smith growing as like a writer and director. And I think he proves that so much within the character stuff. Uh, much like we kind of talked about with Dogma, him being unable to escape like having the jokes and stuff and whatever else, just being able to tackle a lot more serious stuff. That's what I'm saying. Like at the time when this came out, he was known as the super gross out, whatever comedies. Like these days when you think of this type of humor that you'd put this under, you'd think of like Seth Rogen and stuff, I guess. Like if, mm. if you want to feel that super adult R-rated gross level humor, like Seth Rogen, the people that made fucking – Sausage party and yeah, the all this Judd shit. Ap- they- Judd Apatow stuff. Yeah, all that sort of stuff. Like, that's what Zack and Miri was. Zack and Miri tried to make Judd a Apatow. Judd Apatow movie, yeah. even though, because he that's he created that for yes. many years ago. And he was trying to adapt to. But even to, uh, in terms of his seriousness, you don't see it for another two movies. It's not until Red State where you see him literally double down on being like, okay, no, I can say something serious. Yeah, even can, though the I movie can, starts very jarringly inappropriate, you know, like with the, with the boys wanting to just like. Yeah, yeah. That part still doesn't fit well, but that rest of that movie is him being like, nope, I'm actually going to do something. Yeah, so the the donkey thing is, I somewhat feel similar like we've talked about in the dogma, which is, it's just him being like, I'm, I'm known as someone and I have to continue to being that somewhat, somewhat, like, and I'm known as being a gross out director. So literally how can I push the bar further than I have ever done in any of those movies before? I'm going to have someone fuck a donkey in the donkey show in my movie. Like, I, I feel like the only reason he does it is simply because he felt like he had to have something that's fucked up for this. Cause that's what he was known for, you know? And these days I don't, I don't feel like after post red state, Kevin Smith, I don't feel like he would ever do anything to appease or 
be just because that's what he feels like people know him for. You know what I mean? Mm, like yeah. if there's ever going to be the human Jane Solid Bob reboot, I think is going to be it's going to be a silly comedy movie because that's what Jane Silent Bob Strike Back was, and it's basically a remake of the movie. So I expect a certain level of humor, but at the same time, I don't think any of the jokes in it are ever going to feel as like I'm doing this to literally push people's buttons. I don't feel like he's that kind of director anymore. Whereas this point, he still was like, I'm trying to push people's buttons a little bit because that's what the what I am, that that kind of guy. Yeah. Yeah. Um, so I know a lot of other people's complaints to this movie, looking through the reviews for it um, from the time, were, was that Jennifer Schwalbach Smith was cast in such a uh, key role, I guess. And a lot of people complained about her being in it. I don't know. Um, for various reasons, they said it was weird because they know that she's Smith's wife. And for some people, some critics were writing, that's just weird. I'm like, that's weird. That's not a weird thing. People cast their wives and friends and whatever else. He literally has all his friends. Yeah, I, I, yeah. And then other people were complaining that she's actually um, a bad actor and it was keeping the movie down. Um, I think she's perfectly fine for the character because the character is supposed to be this annoying, obnoxious. I'm wear, literally wearing a t-shirt that says Mrs. Hicks, like all this sort of stuff. So I think she actually fits and works quite well f- for the role. And I have zero problem with it. Although apparently she was nearly cast as Becky. Um, and I think that would have been like, no, that would not have worked at all. But buddy, how do you feel about her in this movie? Yeah, I think she's fine. Like you, I kind of agree with everything that you said there. She's playing an obnoxious type character. I don't really feel like she's in it much anyway. Yeah. Um, and the scenes she's in it, she's can't really ruin because there's nothing too serious, overly serious scenes that she has. Totally agree that she would have been miscast as Becky, though. Mm-hmm. 100%. Ryan? Oldish. I, this movie would no way be near as awesome if it wasn't, if Rosario Dawson wasn't in it, like, without a doubt. So having, if she was to be cast as Becky, uh, Becky holy crap. But yeah, she's she's fine. Like, I, like it's even same in Jane Slime Bob Strike Back. She didn't really stand out all that much. But if you look at future works like Red State and whatnot, she's kind of nothing to write home about. Like, she's she's fine. She's just in it because it's yeah. like it, it's a family affair, you know? Yeah, like, like shit. The money the trust. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Just like if I made a movie, I'd put my wife in it. Yeah. You mean? Same thing. Be friends in it and do whatever yeah. else. Yeah. Um, saying about Rosario Dawson, though. I definitely feel like, as much as I feel like Brian O'Holloran especially has grown as an actor in this movie, and as I'm saying, like, he, uh, he, there's so many more scenes in this movie where he's he kind of, I feel like his growing as an actor sells this movie quite a lot because he sells all the really se- serious stuff. Um, Jeff Anderson, there's not much you can do with Randall, I guess, as a, <laughs> as a character. There's only so much you can go there. But Rosario Dawson, I definitely feel like, is the golden star of this movie, and without her... I really don't think it would be anywhere near as good as it is because she's like the all, like she is the heart and soul of the movie. Like she literally brings all of the the cheer and the the happiness to this movie. And I literally cannot think of any other actress in that role now. Like that's how, mm. which I think is like when it's perfect casting, where you'd look at a role and be like, could that ever be anyone else? You could try and cycle through different actresses and stuff, and you're like, no, nah, it's Rosario Dawson. That was the perfect casting for her in this role. Yeah, and I think this was the first movie I ever saw her in as well. So whenever I watch her now, and I've seen her in a bunch ever since this, obviously, um, I always think back to Clerks 2 because it was just the first thing I ever saw her in. Yeah, yeah, no, uh, yeah, no, I completely agree. I think she was absolutely fantastic in this movie. Um, yeah, I haven't, I hadn't seen her in anything else, but um, at the time, uh, but even in her delivery, like as you said, like I guess the delivery across the board, like. Uh, d- <sighs> Being one of the first movies that like Brian O'Halloran and Jeff Anderson ever did, there is a stiltedness, there is uh, to their to their line delivery, and across the board, everyone's just nailing it. It feels so organic comparatively, um, yeah. You because know, even with Jeff Anderson's accent, like it intentionally, it sums without even realizing it can intentionally sound um, stilted, but he, I feel he gets around that in this one, and it kind of feels more more natural. I don't think quick off note. I don't think there's much to discuss with Jane Silent Bob in this movie, but like after last week and saying obviously all the the gay jokes and stuff they were making, this movie they don't they aren't saying them. The only character who actually ever makes bad jokes like that is actually Randall, mm. and I think that's kind of done on purpose because Randall is like the you know 
He's that character. He is the asshole, the the epitome of like don't. He would make all those jokes, and as much as you kind of love to hate him, well, well not, not hate him, but you know, there's problems with him. I wouldn't personally be friends with him. Let me put it that way. I wouldn't personally be friends with Randall Graves in real life, kind of thing. It's, it's definitely for sure. But I always found it interesting how Jay, who in the past, of course, had been like, "Oh, that's gay," and all, like all this sort of stuff. In this movie, they were cut. And I always wondered, like, if behind the scenes it was done on purpose, or maybe Jay as a per- Jason Muse as a person was actually less comfortable saying that stuff, or they wanted to change the characters of Jason, um, James Silent Bob, to being more lovable. So then it kind of helps. Mm. But maybe any future movies or past movies or stuff. I don't know. With Jay, I think it's deliberate. Yeah, I agree. So I think with with Jay as a character was written like Jay that's who Jay was at that time and then as Jay as a person has grown because by this movie I think he may have been married to to Jordan uh don't know if he was married but he was definitely dating Jordan yeah so I don't think like he certainly didn't have a kid at that point but like I think he had grown I think that's part of it so when when Kevin was writing Jay he had written it with the Jay that it is now yeah and this was uh, the other funny thing behind the scenes for Jay and Silent Bob is that whole conversation at the start where they ask where they've been and Jay, uh, Jay's deployed like, oh, airbag. you know, was deploy airbags, driving around, cops pulled us over six months. It's like, that's a true story. That's like literally what happened to Jason Muse. So, um, and they're like, hey, we're, six, we're sober at the moment. It's like, well, yeah, it's also the first time Jason Muse was making one of these movies where he actually wasn't on drugs and stuff like that. So, um, and I think it's noticeable, especially like, Obviously, he doesn't have much to do in the movie, but I'd say he looks good and he's... That's what I'm saying. The performance is... It's Jay. It's a fucking comedy character. He doesn't have to give amazing lines and such, but I definitely feel like you can tell just looking at him in this one, this is the the sober version of him going and looking at uh, the other ones. He looks healthy. Yes. Yeah. And, it's, and it's like you were saying before, it's life imitating art and being on that rehab and, you know, we've cleaned up type things and the true story of behind that... And maybe that's where, you know, they're not, Jay's not saying that kind of stuff anymore. Maybe he's past that and he would have been saying that stuff in real life before and maybe he's just not now, so. Prosecutor wants to put us away for a dime, but the judge gives us rehab instead. Shit, rehab? Yep, yep. How long were you in? Six months, sir. We got six months and two days on the wagon as a good friend of Bill W's. Check it out. Just got it two days ago before we got out. Yeah, but if you're holding all the time, aren't you going to be tempted to get high? Oh, not with the power of Christ on my side, sir. Is that a fucking Bible? Hey, hey, the holy fucking Bible, son. Um, all right, so to end up this episode, want to do some theory crafting for Jay, um, Jay and Silent Bob reboot quite quickly. Need you to help me work out the timeline on this one because to me, it doesn't make any sense. So at the end of this movie, Jay's wearing a T-shirt that says Justice TLF. So Justice... Uh, True love forever, or something like that. Um, so she's probably still in prison at the time this movie's taking place, right? So she goes to prison at the end of Jane Silent Bob Strike Back for Jewel Heist. Apparently, she gets let out to go to the uh, concerts and stuff. That's the thing that happens for sure. Um, but apparently, she should be still be in prison for this one. Then Jane Silent Bob reboot, if you're going in real time, would be set roughly 15 years after this one. Clerks two. However, we see in the trailer that she has a, had a daughter that's about 15, let's say, years old. How does any of this work? I don't understand the timeline. I want to get your theories on how the fuck Justice, who I'm presuming in this movie, in Clerks 2, 2005, is still in prison for a diamond heist, is released at some point and has a teenage child in 15 years. Conjugal visit, sir. <laughs> Boom. You reckon that's what we're going with? You reckon? Yeah, conjugal the- visit. And <laughs> Shit, how do you have a 15-year-old daughter, man? You know, a motherfucker's like MacGyver, better than MacGyver. <laughs> you think that prank can hold me out? Huh? Shit. Silent Bob here got the schematics of the prison and we broke in on one night. Fuck, I hope you're right, because that would make me laugh break so much. her out, wouldn't that be I amazing? hope you're right. This is a picture of me a uh, flying fox down into, into the cell. What's this? Oh, that's a picture of me uh, humping your mom last <laughs> I'd do it, but I hump, pull my back out humping your mom last I mean, yeah, I guess you've answered it. Well, 
something which, when, when it comes to Jane Giant Sob, Giant Sob, there are some th- some are some external factors we need to take on board. Uh, okay. One, uh, two, the two things are that these movies were is the essentially the culmination of Morats two and Clerks three. So he had originally uh, written the screenplay for More Rats 2 and then also wrote the uh, screenplay for Clerks 3 and then wrote Reboot, but as Clerks 2, uh, 3 and More Rats 2 kind of fizzled well, uh, because of Mor- Jeff Anderson not wanting to be involved in 3, he kind of brought a lot of that into this movie. So I think yeah. some of the beats may be a little bit washy because of it. I think he's going to still try and make More Rats 2 because apparently he took that to Netflix, Amazon all the streaming places, and they all said no. <laughs> so I think he's, I think I've seen him tweet before on podcasts or something, so that his hope is that Jane Silent Bob reboot does well, like, and he, he can go to these places and be like, look at the numbers. People want to watch this shit. How do you feel about More Rats 2? And he's, he's hoping that that'll work, which makes sense, I guess, like business-wise. Well, business he, he, he on top of that, he did just do, for a charity event in Jersey, uh, did a live reading of the Clerks 3 script. Which he said that when, uh, yeah, and it, that's really dark, that one or whatever. Um, and he said that he would never actually make that movie now. So he wrote the screenplay oh. when he was oh, when yeah. he was oh. feeling in a bad time. And now it, that's why they did the live script reading because he says as much as he wants to do Clerks 3, he, would, he wouldn't do it with the script he's actually written. Oh, it would be completely so different. Yeah, so that's why this Clerks 3 script reading or whatever is a now a alternative universe okay. well because i remember back in the day when he was writing it like he reached out on twitter to being like if randall was to have a partner who would it be like who would be a female character that would be a good counterpart to to randall and i know a lot of people put her out like caitlin olsen from like always sunny the sort of as a person to sort of mirror uh randall so i think obviously they're touching it touching upon randall having someone as well which i thought would be very very cool yeah and I think, you know, obviously they're going to talk about, you know, um, Rosario and, and Dante. Uh, sorry, uh, Becky and Dante having They'll a, have kid a kid too. Yeah. Which you see, you see Rosario in the trailer for Jane and Silent Bob reboot. Yeah. So I th- maybe they'll touch upon that too. So they're going to visit her and you'll get, we'll get to see the, the kid, I guess. Oh, I'm going to cry. This I whole movie, that's a, that's the thing for reboot. Like, and, and as much as like, we're talking about Clerks 2 being this movie of like growing up and stuff. I think there's also a key moment in this movie that's basically. Kevin Smith kind of talking to himself, which is when um, Dante pulls up to the headlights, sees that little girl yeah. turn around young in the, the restaurant, which is, yeah, literally his own daughter, young Harley Quinn Smith. She turns around and waves at him, and that's kind of like Dante, of course, like processing the fact that he's about to be a father and like all this sort of stuff. But in my mind, because it is literally Kevin Smith's own daughter, you know, it's like him and this whole movie is about stepping up to the plate where you go next in life, growing up, blada blada blada. It's literally him like embracing that and having his own daughter kind of do that because he always considered Dante to be like his character. Like if, if yeah. Randall's his kind of like devil persona, and he always considered Johnson. Dante. Yeah. yeah, it's like yeah, it's like there's them and his own daughter like turning around waving and all this sort of stuff. So yeah, and and now we're gonna get a return to these characters, which is the as much as I'm looking forward to a bunch of silly jokes seeing a bunch of characters that we haven't seen for, for so long. I do think there is honestly a really interesting aspect to Jane Silent Bob reboot. And it, it may be hidden under several layers of comedy, much like I think the, the deeper stuff of Clerks 2 is hidden under a bunch of comedy stuff, of course. But I do think Jane Silent Bob reboot is going to tackle um, being a father in a way that he didn't get to do, I guess. Yeah. Like as much as Jersey Girl was supposed to be that, that was him, like, I mean, that's a whole thing. But Jersey Girl was supposed to be that movie for him, I guess, like a, like talking about fatherhood and stuff. But Jane Silent Bob reboot is going to get to be him talking about fatherhood from their, their, their teenage characters, you know? So, like, even um, if we're saying this is 15 years later, even uh, Rosario, Becky and um, Dante's cat, girl, girl boy, whatever it is, is still is going to be a teenager. You know, all the grown-up kids in this movie are going to be teenagers. So it's all, like that next stage of your life, like when your kids become teenagers, like, okay, they're out doing what they want now. Like what, what, what I need to get back on myself or, you know what I mean? Like it's, it's a different stage. I feel like you come out of being a father into a, 
like my kid's leaving me now. Like, what do I, what do I do? And I always wonder, cause we see some of the, in the, some of the trailers, you see that, um, and Kevin Smith even put up a picture on Instagram. He's got like three or four kids. Like it's, it's Harley. Harley has like a best friend, but then there's two other kids we've seen in trailers Ivy. and stuff like that. Yeah, that yeah exactly. Yeah. <laughs> we see some other characters. I always wonder if any of those teenage kids are actually um, Dante. And oh. I, I don't know if that's too like. No, you've got me excited. That's awesome. I don't know if that's too inner circle that they would all be friends. But no, like, to- that's totally cool. That's just, that's, that's, that's what, you heard it here confirmed. I'm totally cool with it. No, fuck yeah. We have the kid, Jay and Silent Bomb, Bob oh hanging out God. from the quick stop. Because like, you know, there's that character that Harley Quinn's character is with, uh, the, the deaf girl. Yeah, like, yeah. Holy fuck if that is. Oh, my God. I mean, if you thought we could, you could only theorize about shit like Star Wars. Let me tell you about our James Silent Bob reboot theories. <laughs> Blown minds over here. Um, well, that is it, I think, uh, for this week's episode of Radio Movies. Please be sure to take any trash review when you're leaving your area. You can, of course, find Buddy Watson over at dashgamer.com on the Dash Culture um, every fortnight talking about pop culture movies and gaming. Be sure to follow him on Twitter at BuddyWatson12. You can find Ryan Betson over at youtube.com slash thepopculturist talking all things PlayStation on For The Players and wrestling on The Young and The Wrestlers. Follow him on Twitter at HaggardMC and you can find myself right here on ExplosionNetwork.com on one of our movies, games or TV podcasts like Arcade Couch or What Do You Want to Watch? And you can follow me on Twitter at VivaLadil, V-I-V-A-L-A-D-I-L. And you please make sure to review this podcast on Apple Podcasts if you haven't already or review it on whatever you're listening to if it lets you. And tweet at Kevin Smith and tell him and Jason Mewes, that we've cracked the code. We've figured out what ja- the secret message of James Silent Bob reboot is. We've figured out the entire plot. Um, and he can send a copy of the movie just so we can check if we're right. That's solely the only reason that we want to do it. Just want to confirm some facts and, and things like that. So make sure to do that. Snoochie Boochies. Peter Jackson really wanted to blow me away with those Rings movies. He would have ended the third one on the logical closure point, not the 25 endings that followed. <laughs> Where Sam straight up bricks in Frodo's mouth. that movie man fuck lord of the rings they're long and boring and fucking useless i hate them i don't think there's any redeeming parts of them at all i'm fucking recording still you can cut my audio in